Before I start this week's Financial Crime Weekly podcast, just the usual note of thanks to the photographer who created the image, which adorns the cover art, Sora Shimazaki at Pexels. Let's get on with it. Welcome to This Week in Financial Crime. I'm your host, Chris Kirkbride. A good deal spinning around the world of financial crime this week. There's been a slight uptick in activity on sanctions, including enforcement against some of those allegedly aiding sanctioned individuals. There's also some significant fraud news. And the Financial Conduct Authority in the United Kingdom has been active in taking enforcement action this week. And, as we've started to do over the last few weeks, there's a roundup of a mass of cyber-attack news making the headlines this week. So, let's make a start. As usual, the links where identified to the principal documents mentioned in the podcast are in the podcast description. And, frankly, there's quite a few of them this week. So, we'll start, as we tend always to do, with sanctions. News from the UK that the British government has imposed new sanctions on those who supply the Russian military with hardware and software. The press release provides a list of those entities sanctioned. They are CST, a manufacturer of Russian drones, which have been used to destroy Ukrainian combat vehicles. RT Complect, that produces parts for helicopters used by Russia in its assault on Ukraine. Oboron Logistics that organises the transportation and delivery for Russian military equipment, uh, Universal Mash and Lipetsk, that manufactures or modifies the tracked chassis for air anti-aircraft missile systems used by Russia's armed forces in Ukraine, and finally Topaz, a software company involved in military avi- aviation. The press release is in the podcast description. Staying with the UK, the Foreign and Commonwealth Uh, Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office in the UK has updated its list of sanctioned individuals to include those Russians who may have been involved in ransomware and other forms of cyber attack, as well as others to the general sanctions list. This action has been coordinated with the US government. In addition, individuals were also added to the ISIL, Daesh and Al-Qaeda organizations' financial sanctions regime. The full updated list is available in the podcast description. On top of that news, and I suppose related to it, the Office of Financial Sanctions Implementation has issued new guidance, setting out the implications of new sanctions in ransomware cases. The guidance has been issued in light of the amplified threat from ransomware cyber incidents, but also because institutions subject to such attacks may engage and pay ransoms, exposing themselves to civil or criminal sanction, especially where the payments are made to sanctioned individuals or entities. The link to the guidance is in the podcast description. I've also linked to the webpage containing all updated financial sanctions guidance in the podcast description where you'll find other guidance which was updated this week, namely that which is relevant to charities and non-governmental organisations, which you can look at there. And there's, I suppose there's a final one here, a couple of final ones here. One just squeaked under the line before the cut-off point for the podcast. The final one came in quite late in the day, and that's that sanctions have been put in place for those individuals involved in serious corruption. These have been updated to include three Russians believed 
to be involved in global corruption. The link to that is in the podcast description. Now, just before we finish sanctions news, we'll pop back over to the US, where a Russian national, uh, Vladimir Voronchenko, has been indicted for allegedly assisting sanctioned Russian oligarch Viktor Vexelberg evade US sanctions by financing multi-million dollar properties in Manhattan, the Hamptons and Florida. It's all right for some. US Department of Justice press releases in the podcast description and I'll stick with the US just for the final bit this week and that is that the US Department of the Treasury has sanctioned companies involved in the production, sale and shipping of Iranian petrol-related products principally to buyers in Asia. Link to that also in the podcast description. Now that's it for sanctions this week. We move on to look at a little bit of fraud news. We'll start with Again, once more fraud involved in COVID-19 recovery schemes from around the world. This time it is the US where the FBI has arrested 23 people with fraud uh, on uh, on suspicion of fraud on the Paycheck Protection Program. Linked to this story is news that the US government may have misspent just short of 200 billion US dollars in pandemic unemployment benefits that is payments related to fraud and related matters. This figure has further prompted calls for more investment in countering the scale of fraud with resource being made available to seek the recovery of it. In the UK, the payment systems regulator, the PSR, has issued a proposal for reporting authorised push payment scams. The consultation is concerned with guidance to support payment service providers, PSPs such as banks and building societies, with providing correct data when they report their authorised push payment scams data to the regulator. The documentation also provides the PSR wants to see better protections for everyone from APP scams and last year consulted on a suite of measures including a requirement on financial institutions to report on the number, value and reimbursement rates to victims of these devastating crimes. The PSI is seeking views on guidance for PSPs PSPs are payment service providers who will be required to publish data on their performance on app scams, authorised push payment scams. The PSR sets out that the reporting will continue to develop over coming months to make sure there is a clear picture of how financial institutions are performing. The link to the press release and the consultation paper can be found in the podcast description. And finally, in the US, the United States Postal Inspection Service, the USPIS, has announced that just over 115 million US dollars has been recovered and distributed to just short of 40,000 victims in connection with fraud schemes processed through MoneyGram. All the victims will recover the full amount of their losses and the link to the full story from the website is in the podcast description. Now, that's it for fraud. Just one quick money laundering story before we delve into this week's wealth of regulatory enforcement. It's a small, yet it's an important money laundering story this week, and it concerns the Wolfsburg Group, which has announced the release of version 1.4 of the Correspondent Banking Due Diligence Questionnaire and version 1.2 of the Financial Crime Compliance Questionnaire, along with updated supporting guidance, glossary, and frequently 
Asked Questions documents. The link to the press release and all the materials that I've just listed are available in the podcast description. Now, that's it for money laundering. The Financial Conduct Authority, which is the conduct regulator in the United Kingdom, has been terribly busy this week. Been running around, beavering around, doing lots of different things. So, the Financial Conduct Authority has reissued its appeal to those who are victims of convicted money launderer Richard Faithful to come forward ahead of confiscation proceedings scheduled for the 13th of February 2023, which is this coming Monday. The proceedings were originally listed for the 13th of October 2022, but they were delayed by the intervention of the joint liquidators of Faithful Investments Limited. The link to the relevant part of the FCA webpage, which details some of the background to the case, can be found in the podcast description. The Financial Conduct Authority has also announced the commencement of proceedings in the High Court in order to recover funds from an unauthorised investment firm, Argento or Argento Wealth Limited, run by Daniel Williams. The allegations made against Argento in the press release included that the firm unlawfully took approximately $2.8 million as deposits under loan agreements and or as part of an unauthorised collective investment scheme, unlawfully arranged investments in EMB Fund Limited, totalling about $9 million US dollars, and breached the restrictions on financial promotion. On the subject, the FCA has also announced that the crypto asset firm should ready themselves to be subject to the financial promotions regime. This announcement follows the British government's policy announcement earlier this month. Both the link to the FCA and the UK government website can be found in the podcast description. And finally, on regulatory enforcement before we get into the huge, the deluge of cyber attack news this week, the Financial Conduct Authority has imposed restrictions on Campbell and Associates Independent Financial Advice Limited, which prevent it from undertaking regulated activities and restricts access to its assets. The reason for this is concerns raised about potential misappropriation of client funds by the firm. The first supervisory notice, which was imposed on them or issued against them, is available in the podcast description. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I started by listing all the cyber attacks that had been either that either had occurred or were certainly reported each week, and that list just gets longer and longer. I mean, this week's a remarkable amount of cyber attack news, and we'll start with security researchers at Microsoft who announced this week that a cyber attack on the satirical French magazine carried out in January this year, the satirical French magazine, of course, being Charlie Hebdo, which was carried out in January this year, was likely to have been carried out by an Iranian government-backed hacking team which allegedly stole and leaked private customer customer data. The link to the blog, blog post on the Microsoft website is in the podcast description. Lockbit who claimed responsibility for the cyber attack on financial data firm ION, has claimed that they have received payment following the attack. No other parties have commented on the matter, and Lockbit hasn't said how much it received. Tallahassee Memorial Healthcare's IT system was taken offline this week due to a cyber attack, with the FBI helping with the response to it. Russia. Ah, Russia. 
Russia is believed to have been the motivator behind cyber attacks and protests in Moldova. Moldovan officials have described it as a hybrid war. And I believe, actually, the Moldovan PM has resigned as a response to this, and which he claimed was Russian-motivated. Black and white cabs in Australia continue to suffer from the impact of what it now believes to be a Russian-backed cyber attack. They're really getting everywhere at the moment. Research by BlackBerry indicates that AI may already be being utilised in cyber attacks, with those who design cyber defences already contemplating the use of AI in the manufacture of software to defeat attacks. I wonder when the computers will finally take over. It's all gone a bit Terminator. The post office in the UK continues to be impacted by the cyber attack on the Royal Mail in early January. While most international services have been restored, new parcels cannot be accepted at post office counters. Now over to Germany, where the kitchen manufacturer Hafel, or Hafel, not entirely sure how it's pronounced, has announced it suffered a cyber attack affecting its global IT systems. Italy has announced that global uh, that the global ransomware attack which affected servers in Italy and also in other countries was unlikely to have been state-sponsored, but rather criminal hackers out to make a few quid. Vesuvius, the engineering company, has announced this week that its systems have been affected by a cyber incident which indicates that they haven't worked out what may have caused the problem. That they haven't worked out what caused the problem and the investigation continues. Now here's an interesting one, again linked to Russia, and that is in the UK, a member of the House of Commons, which is the lower house of the United Kingdom Parliament, has had their emails hacked by a group linked to Russian spy services. Stuart MacDonald, who is a member of the Scottish National Party, has had a close interest in the conflict in Ukraine, having received the Order of Merit from the Ukrainian government a few years ago. Sticking with the UK, the Home Office has announced a consultation on reform to the Computer Misuse Act 1990. Consultation opens on the 7th of February, so it opened a few days ago, and closes on the 6th of April 2023. Link to the consultation document is in the podcast description. At A4 Consulting's 7th Annual Fintech and Regulation Conference, Under Secretary for International Affairs, Jay Shambaugh, made some broadly-based comments, some of which were focused on cybersecurity and operational resilience, highlighting the importance of protecting sensitive data and integrity of the infrastructure, together with the public and private information exchange to strengthen that fight. This is a big thing at the moment, this public-private partnership. It's always been there in relation to the fight against financial crime, but it's becoming ever more important. The link to that full speech, because it is quite important, is in the podcast description. The US has joined with Australia, India and Japan for the Quad Cyber Challenge, a resource-sharing initiative aimed at preventing cybercrime against schools and the government. A rather thing that the UK could do with joining that, but then I suppose it wouldn't be a quad anymore, would it? Munster. Technological University College, sticking with education, has been closed this week after what was described as a targeted cyber attack. Indigo, Canada's biggest book chain, suffered what it labelled a cyber incident which took it offline on Wednesday this week. And I suppose, linked to all this cyber stuff, there is an announcement this week from the Department for Culture, Digital 
culture, media and sport in the UK, calling for industry views on software resilience and security businesses and organisations. It opened on the 6th of February 2023 and the closing date for responses is quarter to midnight on the 1st of May 2023. And finally, two more cyber events before I close the book on this week's Financial Crime Weekly podcast. First, the City of Oakland has confirmed reports that its networks have been hit with ransomware. The response to the cyber incident from its IT department is underway. The other story in the news is from Reddit, which has announced that it was the victim of a cyber attack on Sunday the 5th of February, where employee login details and the platform's internal systems were compromised. Nothing apparently affects the users of Reddit. Well, that's it for this week's Financial Crime Weekly podcast, which was interrupted by my dog at one point barking. If you want to do so, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you'll hear from me all over again, all being very well indeed, next Sunday with the usual roundup of all things financial crime. Have a great week, everyone. Listener.